podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list, Grant's checking it twice, they're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Boys are back, and personally, I think better than ever. Uh, sadly, Grant is off uh, adopting a child from a foreign country right now, so he cannot join us. But we have the most recurring guest, possibly the favorite recurring guest. The boneheads clamor for him more and more, and I tell you what, if he would put out his podcast a little more often than we do... Maybe the Boneheads would get their fix, but luckily they have to come to us. It's the king of the otters, the head honcho over at K-State Online, Matthew underscore D underscore Hall. Matt Hall, how are you doing today? Good, man. I tell you, when I when I get fan mail, you know, those old sacks of fan mail you used to see back in the day, like Santa Claus would get, it usually talks about coming on Bosco's. You know, I open up, I open it up, and, and that's what it's all about. And I thought about, you know, that we do less shows, too. But then I thought, well, I guess it does make, you know, my other stuff better. Um, and so it's all, it's win-win, I think, for everyone at this point. Yeah, I I agree. I uh, Since I consume as much K-State media as possible, I sure get enough of you. But uh, the fans, not only do you have the K-State Online podcast, not only do you hop on the game, not only are you on Powercat Game Day, but, you know, every Saturday or Friday or Saturday, I see you tweeting out links to other radio shows. Uh, you're just all throughout the state of Kansas at this point. Yeah, but some of those are just made up, you know. Like, I think I, those links that I make up, I think, you know, if I just tweet out enough call letters and that kind of stuff and say, hey, I'm on this station right here, people are just going to believe it and not click on the links. So, um, that's not, that was all, that was all not true. Uh, I consider myself some, somewhat busy, you know, on the radio and it's a good time, but it, this feels, this feels like home to me more than any of those made up call letters. Well, we appreciate it. And I do have to say one more thing because it, it was something that was brought up on twitter.com again, mm. uh, lots of frustration with, uh, folks, uh, in the Kansas city market, not getting enough K state talk. I've said it once, I'll say it again. There is plenty of K-State audio media out there to consume. If you guys uh, put in just a little bit more effort, I know it's not as convenient as throwing your dial to one of those two big stations, but the stuff you're doing, the stuff that John is doing, uh, and then also your guys' work with other radio stations throughout the state, the podcasts that are popping up, Folks, if you want your K-State media, support your local podcasts and your local radio stations. 
uh, because we see big bumps when K-State's doing well. I know all the others oh, do. Yeah. Uh, keep telling your friends. Keep growing this community because, uh, you know, you see a couple of a couple of them pop up every now and then. Keep supporting the independent K-State media, and you're going to see it continue to grow. I tell you, you make a wise point. It is easier, I think, for a lot of people to hear it on the radio. But at some point, I mean, you're, you're a pretty – what's sort of looking for? Um, experienced podcast listener. I mean, you probably have a system down where you don't consider it much harder than the radio for yourself anymore, if at all, probably, do you? No, I I, I never listen to AM radio. I get yeah. Kurtz's show sent straight to my phone. I do subscribe to all the uh, Kansas City sports talk ones, and I can pick and choose what segments right. to listen to. Uh, it, it's not that tough. Granted, I have unlimited data. I have good Wi-Fi. I'm not in my car, time, so I understand why it might be convenient. But, you know, there, there's a lot of – I mean, I remember when we started, I don't think there was a single independent K-State podcast out there. Uh, and now there's a handful of them popping yep. up. And uh, even, you know, 91.9, the student radio station, uh, tune into the stuff that they're doing. Yep. There's a lot of it out there. And uh, I know it pisses a lot of folks off that – there isn't a lot of K-State talk on the uh, actual airwaves in Kansas City, but there's a, there's a lot of it out there if you seek it out and continue to help grow the community. Yep, well said. All right, uh, perfect. So we're going to just jump right into it. We're going to talk a little basketball. We're going to talk some football. We're going to have game picks at the end of this, um, and you'll actually be able to throw your hat in the ring yes. and see how you do for championship week. Um, but I have a question for you first. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a little it's a little personal. Um how awkward would it be the next time I try to have intercourse with a woman that I ask her to put on a K-State white Wildcats script basketball jersey? I don't think that's weird. I think uh, I think that's a very, you know, intimate act between two grown adults and how they do it is probably in a lot of pe- a lot of people's ways of that kind of thing could seem weird to somebody else. So I'm not someone to judge. And I think if, okay. if you have an item come out that looks like that, uh, I may, maybe it's weird. Now, I don't want to be the weird guy. Maybe it's, maybe it's weird not to ask that. I don't know. You know? Well, this is what I'm going to say. If you are too bashful to ask your sexual partner to wear the best looking K-State basketball jersey some, of all some time. Would be, some would be scared some, to do that. Yes. And if you might, you know, have a little trouble getting an <laughs> erection or you just want a better erection. It's go to, yes, it is back. Go to bluechew.com. Use promo code armchair to get your first month free. You don't have any awkward doctor's visits. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. It gets sent right to your house, and then you don't have to ask, you know, your nice lady uh, to put on a K-State basketball jersey to help you get super duper rock hard. Uh, so go to bluechew.com. It's cheaper than the 80 bucks you have to spend on the jersey and maybe save you a little bit of embarrassment asking her to put it on every single time. So Every time. Yeah, so to, to stay on brand for this show, uh, we love our uniform talk here, and the moment we've all been waiting for for uh, some of us for close to a year, for almost everyone else, a handful of months, it happened. Yep. Um, the video dropped yesterday before – uh, post game media availability. And first, I got to give a shout out to Jay Moline and the entire staff yep. over at K State. Um, some folks like to attack me, uh, whether it's on the message boards or on Twitter, for being very vocal and saying that I don't like it when 
uh, stuff gets leaked by folks before these videos can come out. This is exactly why. The stuff that they're doing yep. at social media at K-State is second to none. And could you imagine how much better the drop would have been if everyone would have been seeing those uniforms for the first time in that video? It's impossible for me to even imagine. And I'm not trying to over-exaggerate over it either because – uh, I can't. I think it would have been huge. I think it's, you know, I don't want to spoil the topic or get too far into it, but I think they're fantastic. And I think they're very unique and special. And I think, yeah, it'd have been really cool to have it come out that way. Um, you know, have those guys walk into post game last night without having any sense that could even possibly happen. Like, I didn't know they were changing jerseys, but I, I did expect some sort of announcement that night. You know what I'm saying? So I wish I, I wish I could because I'm, I'm with you, man. I know you take some guff for it. Um, but I, but yeah, I mean, I'm with, I'm with you. Like that stuff. Uh, I, I think I said the first time it happened, I come from a place where you know, I used to manage retail stores and now I cover sports. So I'm in a weird spot where I see both sides of this thing. And I'm like, yeah, one, that, that does, stuff doesn't need to happen. It's, there's a lot of things put in place to avoid it happening. And two, it does make a moment less special. So I don't get on you for being mad for it. Um, I think it makes sense. I think it's, I think it's a needless mistake that's been made a few times on this stuff. Well, that, that's enough self-serving uh, for me for the rest of this podcast. But let's let's talk about them real quick. We've seen pictures. Uh, you got to see them yeah. in person. Um, they, they truly are the single greatest uniform, at least in my opinion, case it's had in any sort of sport. It's uh, a great throwback to uh, a time where K-State basketball is great. So all sorts of people, all the older fans aren't going to, you know, get, you know, Right. Aneurysms complaining about it. But um, you, you saw them in person. You're one of the handful of people who have actually seen them on a player. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And has there ever been a uniform you've liked better than this? One? No. Uh, and I'll tell you I, this today, you know, as we were the day we were recording this, Natalie and I were my wife and I were talking about them. And she said kind of in a, a strong manner, like, I think they're the best case uniforms I've ever seen. So those, those were her words. And I said, I said, well, yeah, but like, haven't Scott and I been saying that for like a month? You know, she said it like it was her own thought and that she created it. And I'm like, either one, she just doesn't ignore us or she's trying to, you know, present it as her own thought. I don't know which way, but I agree with everyone. Who, I think they look great. I mean, I don't know that there's a detail I would change about them. I was startled when I saw them in person last night. I didn't know that was going to happen when they came with them on. They looked as everybody as good in person as you expected. And yeah, like you said, I don't know. I don't know who this doesn't please, you know, and I, and I'm not even trying to start, you know, more guff over the old script cats thing, but this one, like you said, I don't know who it doesn't please. It looks great. It looks retro and modern at the same time. It involves a lavender, but it's not too, too much bugs. Some people it's not for a time where K-State lost. It says Ema instead of family on the waistband, you know? Uh, I mean, it's, it really hits everything you would want. I love that old wildcat head. Like I think that's the most, I think that's an underused. I know it looks like everybody else's. I totally get that, but I really like that logo. Um, so, man, yeah, it hits everything it could, and I think it's the best case of uniform I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And then uh, shout-out to Jason. He rightfully so uh, went to Twitter yesterday after it dropped and talked about how long he's been waiting for these to yeah. be released to the public. Uh, he's elite at what he does. He doesn't obviously doesn't do just case eight uniforms. Every uniform – uh, that Nike drops that he had a hand in uh, literally is a work of art. Yep. And uh, it's it just amazing to see how how uh, much work goes in these uniforms, every fine little detail. And when it's finally your school getting that, you know, five-star treatment when it comes to those uniforms, it's just uh, as someone who th- – this is my niche. Like, this is 
this is what I live for is uh, these these type of uniform drops, and uh, I, I couldn't be more pleased with how they ended up. Well, it's just it's good for sports to be fun, you know. And I'm not trying to take this somewhere else, but it's so cool, and I do it too. I'm not pointing to fingers somebody else, but it's so cool to be critical of everything. And you're a better fan the meaner you are about how a player plays or how your team plays or how embarrassed you are. Like sports can be fun and uniforms are fun, you know. So I'm with you on this. Like I, I think it's really cool. I think it's a big deal. I think it matters. I think it's fun and it's just part of something where it doesn't have to be so serious. And even though I think these are you know seriously great uniforms, um, it's okay to get wound up about something that probably is not going to impact the result of the game. That's okay, you know. And another great thing about this versus uh, the two tones from the last couple of years is this is regulation. They yep. can rock these any home game they want. Um, you may have a better insight to me because you're best friends with uh, Chris Lowry and you get to talk well, to some of those folks. I mean, he wants to be on the Bosco, so I don't know. I mean, we, we need to make it happen. I tell you what, yeah. if someone can find me a comparable paying job, I will in Manhattan, I will move, you know, in a nanosecond so I can have I mean, Lowry what's, what's, on. What's comparable? Like within 80% of what you make, is that comparable? <laughs> No, it is not quite. <laughs> so, like comparable, comparable. You mean like a hundred and five or more? Like no, I, I, I mean I would like hundred like, I mean like and five percent, one hundred and five percent or more. No, I would say like ninety percent. Okay, I would, okay. I because I, I tell you what, especially if we want to keep this podcast thing going, uh, being able to chat with Lowry, you know, on a you know five p.m. on a Wednesday that they don't have practice, or being able right. to. Uh, you know, get Taylor Brad on a little bit more. I tell you what, if if Kansas, if Manhattan was where Lawrence was, we'd right. be bringing so many more amazing interviews. Uh, it's not even funny, but sadly, maybe Kansas you City move, being maybe you could move to like like uh, Topeka. That's still a pretty long commute. Pretty long both ways, then. I mean, it really, yeah, that's it like really a full hour both sides for you. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, eventually we will become best friends with Larry as well. But since you have more access to him, you might be able to ask this uh, on or off the record. My guess is they're going to pull these out, uh, you know, maybe in a similar fashion to the old big game grays uh, be- or maybe not. I No, I think you're right. I, and I don't know this. I'm, I'm, this is not me being cute and protecting info. Like, but I, I think I'm either getting told or got the sense that, yeah, it's not expected to be a one time thing. I think they'll wear them with some regularity because of what you, one of the things you said is the regulation and they did care about that. And you know about that. You know more about that than I do. Probably they did care about that because they didn't love that process. And so this is something they can wear multiple times. And yeah, I don't know how often they'll do it, but I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, the game grades, we would see off the top of my head, three, four, five times a year, maybe more than that, depending on the season, you know, but I could see them being a UBC. We see five times a year counting, you know, a non-conference game and three or four Big 12 games, then who knows? And I think that'd be cool. I think it's okay. And, and I think they've got more, you know, they're doing with it too. And um, I think they've done a great job with uniforms this year, personally. Yeah, I think I think there might be a little bit more coming up, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But let's transition into the actual stuff yeah. in case some folks don't want to hear us talk for an hour about uniforms. I couldn't understand why someone wouldn't want that, but, Loads, you yeah, know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Um so what happened down in Florida? We're going to get to the Florida yeah. A&M game here in a second, but like those are two just really bad losses. There's no way around there that is there. I don't think there is. I, I mean, you know, you know very well. Everyone who listens to me knows that I'm as probably positive about the basketball program as anybody, and I still am going to be that way, and I still am that way. But but no, they were two. They were two bad losses. If if they had gone one and one, I would have said ah, you know, big whoop. They lose, you know, multiple 
bad non-conference game pretty much every year. So losing one to either Pitt or I guess it would have been Northwestern if they'd won the first one or Bradley. If they, well, you know, you understand what I'm saying. If they'd won one, I'd have probably said not a big deal. Um, but losing both, I thought was was troublesome because I think that was that's something that the previous good, you know, K-State teams of the last three years or so probably aren't losing two games to bad teams in a non, you know, neutral setting like that. So that's troubling to me. I think there's some reasons why that we'll get into that maybe can be fixed. But but no, if I don't admit that those were a little bit troubling and bad losses, I think I'm I'm totally lying and fibbing and um and I don't and I, and I believe them to be bad losses. So yeah, there's nothing real encouraging about either of those performances in my eyes. All right, so. The next couple questions, it's going to be a game of dumb fan and smart J. J is short oh. for Journo. Oh, got it. Is, yeah, and then that is short for journalist. So the dumb fan in me says that the pick game was as simple as, hey, the offense hasn't been great in the first, you know, at that point, five games of the four or five games of the season. And they finally faced someone they couldn't hold to under 60 points. Um, is that is it as simple as that or what? did you come away as the underlying reason why that game ended up in the loss? I think that's a pretty darn good explanation for it. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's actually pretty right. I mean, you could nitpick the reasoning. Of course, Bill okay, State, you know, made 10 of 23s, but only three of 13 from the foul line. And then pitch shot it really well from the foul. Line. I mean, but what but bad from three, there's a lot of stats we can get into to talk about why it happened. But, but I think the point that you're trying to make of why did it happen is yeah. K-State, the offense, you know, one way or another, whether it's shot well from three or poor from three and good from two, it hasn't been consistently good. It wasn't consistently good into that game. Pitt was en- good enough to, you know, to challenge that and beat K-State if it couldn't be slightly more efficient on offense. So, yeah, I think the way you have it laid out is, is pretty fair. And that one loss, in that sense, if that had happened, I'd have said, oh, well, not a big deal. They do this to Tulsa every year, you know. Um, but I think, yeah, it's doubling it up, even in a different way, but it's doubling up is what made it a little more troubling. Well, yeah, so then it goes into Bradley, which my dumb fan take is they just didn't seem like they wanted to play in that game. It almost seemed like, hey, uh, they just weren't able to bounce back within 20 hours of a disappointing loss because at first in my head before I started writing this out because that was the Wednesday before uh, Thanksgiving, I met up with some buddies at Happy Bassett Brewing in Topeka, so I didn't really digest the game. Uh, very much after after uh, the final tip, I was thinking to myself, oh, well, they played a little bit better offense. They were just really bad on defense. Well, honestly, they weren't that good on offense in right. that game either. And then they let a very bad Bradley team score. I think that that's the most points that they had surrendered in a game yep. up until this point in the season. Uh, so what, what happened in that one? Was it just, hey, young team, they – couldn't bounce back that quick or is there a bigger issue there? No, I think there's some of it too. And I know this stuff we'll talk about later on. I think, I think Montavious Murphy impacted both losses in some way for sure too. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's, I think your description again is fair. I, and I think Bruce Weber felt maybe similar but without saying it totally in the post game uh, after Florida A&M at least um, in the sense that he, he didn't, he didn't think he did a good enough job of getting them back ready to play after Pitt. He thinks they were really crushed by the pit lost. He thought that the team went really really went down. They're like every team who went to that tournament, of course, expecting to win it. And kind of thought they would mirror last year's performance, you know, in winning an early preseason tournament and get some momentum. And I think when they lost to Pitt, he maybe underestimated how much it really crushed those guys because they couldn't win the tournament anymore. They didn't get back up for Bradley. The first half, like you said, I don't know if they played much better, but shots fell and the rhythm was good, so that made them look, look like they were playing harder. But in the second half, when shots stopped falling – 
you saw some troubling body language and facial expressions and effort, no doubt. At least I did. And yeah, it was a bad loss. I wouldn't change it from the way you described either. I think dumb fan is just as good as, as Big J in these ones. Uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll chalk that up. That's a that's a personal victory for me then. Um, so they did come back yesterday. We're, we're recording this on a Tuesday night on a uh, uh, on a small Monday, as if you might call it, on uh, ESPN Plus. They played a very bad Florida A and M team, um, but I at least got entertainment out of watching that game. I, I had fun watching that game. Um, did they bounce back versus Florida A&M, or was it truly, hey, Florida A&M is one of, if not the worst team in Division One basketball this year? I, I think they bounced back a little bit. I know the final margin wasn't huge, and I know Florida A&M is terrible. And they're, they're a bad basketball, you know, the bad, you know, Division One basketball team. Uh, but, you know, K-State was up. I don't remember the biggest margin, 29 at one point in that game. Um, and was playing, I thought, really, really well and really efficiently. K-State wasn't perfect. They turned it over 20 times. That's pretty bad against a bad basketball team. Um, and, you know, they let them get back in. Not Back in would be an exaggeration. That's not correct. But they let it get down to be a 16-point game or so in the second half. So um, it, it's, it's easy to look at it both ways. Um, I would side more that I thought they bounced back a little bit. Bruce Ober thought they played better, too. They were better offensively. They did some things he asked for. It wasn't a good enough effort. If they play like that against, you know, Marquette on Saturday, they'll be in a lot of trouble. And then it probably would have been bad enough to lose last week in Fort Myers, too. But I thought they moved forward a little bit. And I, I was encouraged by what I saw against A&M. So I'm going to try to pivot away from a little bit of this negativity. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm much more negative than you are. But for this basketball team, I'm trying to do this whole positive team because, hey, why not? It's right. more fun that way. Um, so I'm going to point out some positives. Tell me if I'm uh, maybe reaching too much, if I'm right on board, or maybe I'm not going far enough. Uh, the first thing I would I'd really want to point to are both of the Gordons, Antonio and Dejuan, even over this three-game stretch where you lost to and played one of the worst teams ever. I've been very encouraged with more minutes for these two, and you're starting to see flashes of the potential ceiling for these guys. Have you seen enough in those three games to uh, either become more bullish or, uh, you know, maybe at least stay pat on these two guys for what they could bring you during Big 12 season? My, my deal cut out during mid-question. I think I could guess at it, but that would feel phony of me. So maybe maybe say it again because then I won't feel so oh, bad. No, you're good. So I, I basically was just saying I've been encouraged by both Dejuan and Antonio Gordon even over the last three games, which – at a macro level have been disappointing. Um, where do you fall on both of those two guys over the last three games? And does it do anything to either uh, increase your optimism for these two when it comes to big 12 play, or are you saying about where you were going into this three game stretch? Yeah, somewhere between staying the same or feeling better. Like you said, you could look at some stats and look at individual plays they made in those games and say, boy, that wasn't very good. And, and you'd be right. But I mean, I mean, Antonio Gordon in particular has already exceeded what I thought he would be in year one. Um, and his attitude is is definitely more edgy than I expected to. And I mean that in a great way. Um, I think he believes he belongs out there. I think he believes he's a starter. I think he believes he's a, you know, a big 12 quality college basketball player. So that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that from him. So I'm really encouraged by him. De- Dejuan Gordon, I, I think, has had a hard time getting used to getting his, his legs underneath him playing at this level, but that started to look better for me the last couple of games. And they have so much confidence when I say they, the coaching staff. I mean, and, and, I, and I do too. 
Um, you can see his understanding of the game. He gets up close to tip dunks again against Florida A&M. He just knows where the ball is going to be. So if anything, probably slightly better. Um, but I think Antonio Gordon in particular, I still think Dejuan's going to be the best player in this class, but Antonio Gordon is, is further along right now than I ever would have guessed. And, and he's right there with those guys. He's, it's not, it's not a tier, you know, and then Jay Antonio Gordon, they're basically on that same level right now. I agree with you on Antonio. I think he's already surpassed what I was hoping to see this season. And some of that has kind of been thrust upon him, yeah. of even playing out of position at times. Um, but when it comes to Dejuan Gordon, I think I might have overcorrected after the first few games and then just at the first sign of uh, prolonged playing that he had in Florida. And even yesterday versus Florida A&M, I might now be, you know, going ditch to ditch on him. But I tell you what, you, you, you pointed it out. He always knows where the ball is. Once it goes up, that guy has a nose for offensive rebounds. He has a nose for steals. Yep. And you can see it. Once he get gets his feet underneath him, I, I think you might see a, you know, four-game stretch where you might say he's the best player on the field or on the court. I think it is, too. And I, I think I made the mistake, and I, and I could be doing the same thing as you are. I, I, would have, I, I thought it was possible a month or two ago we could be arguing about him being the best player on this team. And that was probably too big of a praise. But what you just said is right, and it's a similar thing. But I bet there still can be instances this season, maybe there are stretches of games, just like you said, where we have that conversation or we say, oh, yeah, this was this guy we thought might be able to score, you know, 12, 13, 14 a game. He will have games like that, you know, for sure. And, I mean, it wouldn't stun me if he surprises the one on Saturday against Marquette. You know, I think it's close to happening for him, and that would be a pretty exciting thing to see, you know, to see this weekend in Manhattan. All right, the next one I want to talk about is Mike McGurl. Um, he has come out of his shell out of the last couple games. Um, early on during exhibition season, even the first ones, uh, Grant and I sat on this podcast and talked about how uh, maybe it's just not there. Maybe all he's ever going to be is just you know a, yeah. a role guy who plays good defense. But uh, his scoring has become more efficient in some of these games. And then uh, when he's feeling it, he's going to let it rip and it's going to drop. Um, what has Mike McGurl shown you over the last few games, and where, where's your temperature check on him? Well, you just nailed it. When I mean, when he's feeling it, he's a very good shooter. I mean, there was a couple shots. I, w- I want to say – what I want to say Maui every time when I want to say Fort Myers. I have no idea why because they aren't playing in Maui. But, you know, a couple shots in Fort Myers, like that were bad shots, you know, bad angle, uh, leaning to his left on threes, early in the shot clock, whatever, that he, he missed. But I thinking, boy, that's Mike McGurl being confident, you know, because you don't see him take a lot of shots like that. Um, and when he's doing that, it seems to be a good sign. That the shots that he gets that are in rhythm, um, he's making a large percentage of them. I mean, like last night against Florida A&M, four of six. I remember the first one that missed was three-fourths of the way down. So he's just shooting it really, really well right now. He looks happy on the floor. He looks confident. Um, and I don't think he's going to continue to shoot, you know, 40s, you know, 40 mid to low 40s from three. It'd be great if he did. But I don't think it's a fluke to think that he can be a good three-point shooter and a guy who can score, have these center 12-point outbursts every so often in a big game in the Big 12. Yep, I agree with you. And then the final guy in this kind of category that I threw together was Sean Williams. Um, I was definitely, based on a couple DMs I got, the early suspension, I think I was even sending you screenshots of some yeah. of the stuff I was hearing. I was thinking, oh, man, we might have seen the last of Sean Williams. But yep. he's sure down in Florida and then yesterday reintroduced himself to this team, how important is it to have him as an engaged member of this team if K-State's going to get back to the NCAA tournament and maybe uh, make some noise in the Big 12? I mean, you know, it, 
a crazy answer, but I'll say it is it may be necessary. You know, like I think this team is not as good in some areas as I thought they would be, um, which concerns me. But a place they could get some of that back would be Sean Williams. And you see some spurts of it. You're talking about a guy who can get around the ball. He had two tip-ins and, and, you know, Fort Myers, I think, off Mac misses. One on a break where he ran the floor the entire time and finished it, and one off a miss inside. That's just a good sense for the ball. He's a good athlete. Um, he had two straight possessions last night against A&M where on, you know, kind of secondary fast breaks. One, he pushes it up after a made basket for A&M and gets Xavier Snead a dunk based on a break off a made basket. And the next trip down off a rebound, he pushes secondary break and gets a three from Mike McGurl. Like, he gets people shots that nobody else, other than maybe David Sloan, I guess Cartier Jean, I shouldn't say that too, but that's hard for people to get. And he's a very confident shooter. Now, he's done some, some, still some scary things, you know, as far that you see from an engagement and just playing hard perspective in the last couple of games here and there, too, hadn't been perfect. But if he became a guy who was K-State's consistently, you know, fifth or sixth best player and provided that kind of impact, it would raise the ceiling back closer to what I thought it was, you know, before the season, I think. One guy who I had high hopes for, but I had no idea he was going to be this important was Montavious Murphy. Yeah. Um, I would almost say that he is probably one of the three most important players on this team. Again, that might be hyperbolic. Uh, because you do have three guys that you will live and die by that uh, the leaders of this team. But man, without him on the floor, uh, this team just at times, especially if Matt gets in foul trouble, uh, just lost out there. Did you ever anticipate uh, having a realization that Montavious Murphy not being available would hurt this team? So much? No, no way. But I agree with every word you said about it. And whether he's the third most important, I don't know. But I mean, when they were all healthy, he was playing in either the most minutes or the second most. So that suggests you're someone important too. And he, yeah, he's not scoring a bunch, but the defensive versatility, I did not know that he could guard on the perimeter like he already shown able to. He's not, he, this is way too high of a phrase. He's not McCall Wayne or Xavier Stein on defense. He's not nearly as good as either. But he does some of the things both of them can in one body, which is really unique and interesting. And I think that's put a ton of value with him on K-State's defense. And, I, you know, nobody as a fan, as a journalist, as a coach, as a player wants to make excuses because that's, you know, lame. All of us can do it. But it did matter. K-State, I'm, I would bet money K-State beats Pitt if Murphy plays. That's a game K-State's up one at the foul line with 20 seconds left. I tend to think Montavious Murphy makes enough of a difference. Maybe they're up six or seven in that scenario, you know, instead. Um, so – while the two losses were bad, and they're going to count when it comes time to look at resumes, if we're fortunate enough to be looking at that when the time comes, they probably don't happen if Murphy's playing or they only lose one. So I'm with you thinking he was incredibly valuable. Maybe that's good or bad, you know, that he's, that, he's much more valuable than we knew he would be. Um, but, yeah, I think every word you said is right. It definitely impacted K-State and Fort Myers. I didn't have this on the outline, but real quickly, what would you tell me about – uh, the way Xavier Sneed has been playing so far this season. And do you think if he continued at the current uh, type of game he's playing, game in, game out, is that going to be enough to get K-State back to the tournament? Well, I, my first instinct, that's to say no. I, th- I, th- I think he was better, you know, in a bad loss, but better against Bradley. And last night he was good. I mean, if against Florida A&M, I mean, there's – he outmatched them physically and really dominated them. He did a very good job. I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but, and he's been okay. He's been fine. It's just, it's becoming more and more apparent. You know, this is something we've talked about having concerns with and X has almost gone as far as basically admitting it, that he's not going to be, you know, the offensive alpha dog who is going to make things happen and let plays go through, 
you know, have plays go through him and make plays for other guys and make shots late in the shot clock all the time. It's just not what he's going to be. And if if he needs to be that for K-State to go to the tournament and be, you know, a top half big goal team, it's probably not going to happen. I, th- I think he can play similar to how he's playing in K-State still, you know, be a big 12 or excuse me, NCAA tournament team. But I don't know if he's playing quite well enough right now to do that. And he's certainly not playing well enough if he's going to be the guy who has to carry K-State to do it. The guy who looks like he wants to carry K-State is Cartier Jada. Right. Um, when you look at his stat sheet, it looks super balanced. He's scoring in double digits most games. He's, you know, between five and eight assists most game, uh, five to six assists most games, five to six rebounds most games. But is the fact that his scoring isn't, you know, closer to 15 or 17 instead of, 11 or 12, is that going to become an issue once we start playing teams like Marquette, Mississippi State, Alabama, and then Big 12 as well? Yes, it, it, it will, unless he, unless he figures stuff out. I thought Bruce Weber in last night's postgame, Bruce Weber's pretty transparent, you know, but even though this was beyond transparent, he kind of said that Cardi came up to him in Fort Myers and said, or somewhere, and said, you know, coach, they're all coming after me now, meaning, you know, the defenses. And he's like, yeah, you're our number one option. They are going to all come after you. It's something you have to figure it out. And so what, what Hardy's trying to figure out is, and what Coach Weber's trying to teach him is, like, that might mean you only take five or six shots, but you get 11 assists in a game. And and Coach Weber's teaching Cardi, one, that's okay. And, two, you can still be a superstar doing that. Cardi cares about – I love Cardi Ajada as a person. This is not me passively knocking him because I would never do that because I'm biased and beyond probably what a journalist should be. But – um, Cardia John would love to be a star. You know what I mean? So Bruce has to remind him, hey, John Morant became a superstar because he led the country in assists, you know, last year in the dunks and that kind of stuff. But so if Cardi under, if teams are going to come at Cardi like they are and he can abuse them for it, like he has been, you know, when he passes the basketball, he'll be fine. But if he can't embrace that and continues to shoot the way he's shooting, you know, they won't be fine. But I, I think there's more to his shooting. I mean, the only thing I'll say about it is like, if you watch Cardi, he goes right 100% of the time right now, and he's a left-handed player. Um, I don't know that his left hand is 100% where it needs to be right now. That's the hand he's shooting with. I don't think there's anything to be long-term worried about. But I, I just don't think a guy who's, you know, not that you've said this, but a guy who shot, you know, in the 40s from three at times in his career and in the 70s free throw line suddenly can't make anything. So hopefully as he gets healthier and figures out how to take advantage of defenses, he can be more efficient than this. But it's a long answer to a short question. If he continues to score, you know, 10 or 11 or game, shooting 37% or so from the field, then no, K-State will not make the tournament. And then finally of the big-time players we haven't touched on, McCombay Ween, yesterday his stat line looked fine. He didn't foul out. Um, but the guy seems and, – and, again, if you need to put me in my place, please do because no. I, I probably have been too hard on Mac over the last few years – than I should be, but it just seems like uh, we've been waiting on quote-unquote good Mac all season, but I don't know if we've seen him outside of a very short stretch where he almost looked like an NBA draft pick, uh, you know, in that first game of the season. Outside of that five-minute stretch, I, I don't feel like we've even seen average Mac. I can't, I can't disagree with you, you know. Like anybody, there's stretches where he's very good or does very good things, but uh, no, I, I, I there's nothing, no other way to say it. I, I thought – I thought we could see a McCall Wayne who averaged, you know, 10, 11 a game, um, showed out the mid-range three-point game a little bit and then continued to be a defensive stopper, both on, you know, on hedging on ball screens and back at the rim. And, and he's done some of that, but he hasn't been significantly different. He's been the same guy that he was last year, if not a little worse at times. 
again, we're still, what are we, seven games into the season? So maybe in 10 games we're talking about this and we feel stupid because he's either gotten way better or regressed big time. So none of this is permanent. But, no, you're, you're right. He has not, pardon me, he has not been significantly better, if better at all. And I think that's a big reason, too. Well, if that, you know, if if he had been, uh, you know, a big cool tournament against Mitch Lightfoot and Macomb Wayne against, in one of those games in Fort Myers, K-State wouldn't have lost them both. So it's another reason why the start's been a little disappointing is he just hasn't been a real difference maker on the offensive end for K-State. I agree with you. And I think uh, also just, I again, maybe my desire to see him play 25, 26 minutes of game, that was just unrealistic. But I just want to see him on the court more. I feel like if he could just get into a rhythm, some of it would take care of itself. But he seems to never be on the floor more than a five-minute stretch. Yep, yep. Oh, that pit game was terrible. I and mean, we talked about how important Mont- or Montavious Murphy is. Combine that with Mac playing 11 minutes. I mean, in some way, I'm not trying to now glorify that loss or go moral victory because it's a bad loss. But in some ways, you know, it's crazy that they could play with Pitt with Mac playing 11 minutes, no Montavious Murphy, and going three of 13 from the foul line with four front end misses in that three of 13. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, what is what they missed in that game. Anything going differently and they win that game. And even if they're still not very good right now, we we'll probably feel way, way different because they're six and one or seven and oh. That is very true. Um, we're going to shift and kind of look forward. Um, what I think is going to be the best non-conference environment going all the way back probably to that Virginia Tech game back in yep. 2010 during the 24-hour marathon of hoops. It's going to be a near-capacity crowd. you got a big-time team in Marquette coming to town for the Big 12 Big East Challenge. Um, it's going to be a near sellout crowd. What is K-State going to have to do if they're going to, my guess would be pull off the upset. I don't know. I haven't seen a line, but I couldn't, I, I wouldn't imagine that Marquette would be the underdog in that one. So what does K-State have to do to pull off the upset? I would think so too. I would think Marquette, at least probably a slight favorite, um, but I don't think, I don't think it'd be a massive upset just because, you know, like we both know it's early season college basketball. And like you alluded to, it should be a really good atmosphere for K-State because of the opponent, because of the uniforms, because of the day, uh, all those things. There's really no reason why it shouldn't be a really good crowd Saturday night in Manhattan. So because of that, I think K-State could absolutely win. But it's going to be, you know, about, of course, slowing down Marcus Howard. He went from having, you know, 40 against Davidson and then 51 against USC and back-to-back nights, I think, um, to only scoring 12 against Maryland on, or maybe six on, like, one of 12 shooting. Um, so the key is going to be throw multiple defenders at him. And I think K-State has a lot of different guys who can do it. You know, with Mike McGurl and Cartier Jada, um, obviously Xavier Sneed, if we're going to go some size, can mess around with and that kind of thing, too. Sean Williams, if you really wanted. I just, I think that's going to be key number one, of course. And then they have shown some, some ability to score outside of Marcus Howard. You know, the Hauser twins are gone, but um, I think they'll have other options that K-State can't let get off on them just because they're focusing on Howard. But that's going to be the, the key, you know, slowing him down. And if they can, and if they can be efficient on offense, it's a game that K-State absolutely, absolutely can win at home. But it will take you know, their best effort overall of the year so far to do so. Perfect. I'm going to ask for a couple predictions on the game. Okay. Uh, you can pass if you don't want to put anything on the record. Uh, uh, let's do you, it. You do you. First one is who is going to log the most minutes guarding Mr. Howard? I will say Mike McGurl. Second, who will be the leading scorer outside of Xavier Sneed in that game? Cartier Jada. Will he outscore Xavier Sneed or will he be the number two? He will outscore Xavier Sneed. I like it. I like it. 
Um, is K-State ever up by more than six? Yes. How about that? Yes. Are they ever down by more than six? Yes. How many uncontrollable erections will be in Bramlage, <laughs> not due to Blue Chew, but due to the uniforms? Well, let's think about this. Uh, I would say 4,700. I like it, and then I need a score prediction if you're willing to give it. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm just being pretty happy positive right now, but my, my gut generally thinks K-State wins this at home somehow. Um you know, a little low score, a little ugly. Howard gets a nice, nice high 20s effort. But give me K-State 65, Marquette 61, and people will think these are the greatest uniforms ever. Perfect. I will be there, and I'm predicting a win as well. I'm hey, going to go on the record. Going to go on the record and say 64 to 52, and Marcus Ooh. Howard, he doesn't score a field goal. How about that? He's getting Trey Young, huh? Yeah, getting <laughs> Trey Young. Uh, so th- that's where we are for that game. Um, I think Grant and I will be back giving everyone an episode uh, Sunday or Monday uh, talking about that game and K-State football's bowl destination. So let's let's do a little football before yes. we get out of here. Um, eight and four. Whew. Wow. Uh, what a regular season. Um, how could anyone have wanted anything more from this season if you would have talked to them? you know, back in August. I, I'm still kind of blown away of the season Chris Kleiman was able to throw together. Yep. There, nobody should have wanted more than this. And no one, you know, I know it's dumb to say when this is what was accomplished, but no one should have even wanted this, you know, or expected this, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I, I remember I th- maybe it was on your show somewhere. We, we talked about ceilings and floors, you know, and I, and I probably said at some point eight, eight wins was like a ceiling, but like an unrealistic, you know, like an everything goes right kind of ceiling. You know what I mean? Um, and probably four wins being the floor. So to be at eight wins, and this is an original thought. I've seen it lots of places too, but with those wins coming against Kansas, Iowa State, in the fashion they did, of course, Oklahoma, the win at Mississippi State, um, it's not just eight wins. There are a lot of meaningful wins in there. They were spaced out enough, you know, where you never had a super long losing streak to feel like your team fell apart. You ended on a high note with two straight wins. The last one against a good Iowa State team, it's everything you really could have wanted in an ideal year one for Chris Kleiman. And what's crazy is you blew a 14-0 start versus Texas yeah. and lost to, in my opinion, the second worst team over the body of work with West Virginia. Although I agree. With that, with that switch to quarterback and Neil Brown, you know, getting towards the end of the season, uh, they sure came on late. But, man, it, it it's crazy how well they played. So uh, I, I went on a couple different tweet sprees. I uh, fought with – Heartland College Sports, a independent Big 12 blog. I took on all comers from Waco. Um, Chris Kleiman, you know, we've said it a million times, inherited a running back room with no scholarship running backs and a commitment list that featured no running backs. He lost probably his best linebacker to a season-ending injury before the season even started. Lost his two best wide receivers in between spring practice and fall ball. Uh, lost Adam Harder, who was going to start at fullback slash H-back yep. for them. Um, played a lot of the season without Malik Knowles, nowhere near 100% healthy. Played the last two games without your two best cornerbacks. Um, all of this, and then 
he has the best non-con win in the entire conference with a road SEC win versus a bowl team. No one else had a non-con win over a Power 5 bowl team, let alone a road win over a Power 5 bowl team. You had the best win in the conference beating Oklahoma, who I think is going to end up in the playoff. Please explain to me how this guy who was picked preseason number nine, finishing tied for third, isn't going to be the Big 12 coach of the year. I don't, I don't know that I can. I mean, I really under, I really understand, and I'm sure you do too. Like, I really understand the case for Matt Rule. I mean, no doubt about it. But I don't. I guess I don't understand why he is. I can't make a better case for him than I can for Chris Kleiman. I mean, Coach of the Year is always right. The person who overachieves the most, and whether that's something we agree with or not, that's a whole other topic. And if you want to, you know, if we want to change that and just start picking in a different way, you know, then, then that's okay. But if it's who most achieve, overachieved the most, it's Chris Kleiman. It's not even remotely close because of all the things you laid out. And if you want to add on, and maybe you did and I missed it, but James Gilbert wasn't really healthy, you know, for, for half the season. Jordan Brown wasn't really healthy. I mean, like there's all sorts of things that really, not everything, it's not one of those things, they didn't go eight and four because everything went their way. They went eight and four despite having bad, you know, average to bad luck. Um if I, if I, you know, I, you know, I, I would probably vote for Chris Kleiman. I think Matt Rule's very, very deserving. But I mean, I guess the thing I'd ask you about Baylor is they're eleven and one, and that's very meaningful. But what, what is their best win? Like that's a sincere, a sincere question. Like what's their best win? Is it Iowa State? No, it's uh, probably us. Is it K State? Yeah, I mean, so, I, and, yeah, you're right. It's probably winning at K State, and that's a good win. I'm not trying to, you know, detract from that. But I mean, I, I, I wonder, you know, if Baylor. I think they were probably pretty similar to K State, and um, I think I would probably vote for Chris Kleiman. But I, you know, Matt Rule is a, is a general in a regular year, he's a deserving Big Twelve Coach of the Year. I would say. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be a massive crime when he does win it. But right. uh, I, I just I just think that it, I I think everything points to it should be uh, Coach Kleiman. Um, here, here's a question for you, kind of out of left field. Has the Big 12 emailed out postseason ballots yet, and have Grant and I been blacklisted? Uh, I don't think they have because I haven't got one, but I could be blacklisted as well. Um, but I don't know. I don't remember doing postseason ones, like which is dumb because there's a media postseason poll, but I wonder if it's somehow done differently than the preseason one because I don't remember doing the postseason in the past. I don't know. Because if, <laughs> if I did, I mean, I'd get Jackson there as hard as I could. Oh, I was just about to say I need to I need to make sure Jax at a minimum gets honorable mention all fullback. But that, uh, pre, that preseason next year though, shoot, he's gonna he's gonna sweep that thing. He better. I mean, I think no. Grant and I. There's gonna be two votes. I think the entire KSO crew oh, should. Absolutely. Um, we're gonna have to convince John to do one for the first time in a while. It's true. I don't, I don't know if he, I don't know if we're even talking to Kellis anymore. But if we are, we'll get him to do it. You can get him. Um, and get it going. Uh, yeah, and, and we've made some friends with some folks in the Texas media. I think I think we can make this happen. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, perfect. So uh, that's all like kind of the football talk, but we'll, we'll talk bowls just real quick. On um, the next show, folks here, K-State's bowl destination will be decided. So two questions for you, pretty straightforward. What game do you think K-State will end up going to? And you personally, as a biased journalist who yeah. will go and cover this, what game do you want them to go to? 
Uh, I want K-State to go to the Alamo Bowl. I've never been to the Alamo Bowl myself. I've never been to San Antonio myself. Um, I think it's, I think, you know, if USC is the opponent or something like that, that could be a really, really good opponent. Um, so yeah, I want it to be the Alamo Bowl. And I think, I think it's going to be like, I, I, that's a, it's a very weak, you know, think it's going to be like, I, you, I read all the same stuff everyone else does. You know, I hear the chatter behind the scenes, but it's nothing really, you know, I, I'll hear this as much about, oh boy, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the camping world doesn't like Texas as much people here as someone saying, no, they absolutely want Texas and that's where it's going to be. So my point is, I don't have anything like new or fresh is going to outdo what you hear somewhere else. But I, I think, I, I think Texas will end up in the camping world bowl. And I don't think, you know, Iowa State or Oklahoma State will go to the Alamo. I, did, I, I don't think it's what they're going to want. So I, I think it'll be K-State. I mean, that's what I'd like to see too. What are your answers to that? What do you want to see and where do you want to go? If I, I think I want to play either USC or Notre Dame, Notre Dame, the Alamo or uh, you know Camping World Bowl. Uh, I think formerly known as the Citrus Bowl, if memory serves me correct. I think um, so. I think it'll be Alamo or Texas Bowl. Um, I think it's Alamo Bowl if we get if the Big Twelve gets two teams right. in the playoff and or New Year's Six. I think if. Oklahoma is snubbed from the playoff, and Oklahoma and Baylor uh, doesn't get a New Year's Six bowl. I think they will end up in the Alamo Bowl. I think you have it right. I think uh, I think something drastic would have to happen for it not to be Texas Notre Dame in the Camping World Bowl. And then I think uh, the only way K State is at that point not in Houston is if uh, the if uh, the Liberty Bowl makes a deal with the devil to. Uh, get K State to drop down there so they don't have to take Iowa State because who wants them? Well, that's um, that's, that's absolutely true. Do you think so that, Do you think any bowl will offer them a bid, Iowa State? I mean, no. Do they have to? I mean, I I personally, if I was a bowl rep, I wouldn't. Right. But I think uh, I think they might even have to dip into five win teams this year. Ugh. So I think it would it would look a little suspicious if a seven win team didn't get that bid because. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it would just look bad. All so right, I think they will right. end up one. So that's all we have for the main part of this. But we are going to quickly do some game predictions. We're going to keep it going. I was trying to be nice to the Boneheads and Grant, allowing them to try to get back into this. But I went 14-1 and one last week, Jeez, bringing me up to please. one. I know. The only game I predicted wrong was the Commonwealth Cup. I had Virginia Tech over Virginia. Uh, the only game I had wrong last week. Uh, but I'm now at 146 and 62. Grant went 10 and 5, so he's now 132 and 76. And the Boneheads, they they had a good week, 12 and 3, 141 and 67. So they might catch me. I mean, I have the. Go ahead. Need you to fall Grant needs you to just fall asleep. The boneheads, not- though. The boneheads, though. I mean, I mean, you never know. We're, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. I have the boneheads pick, my pick, and Grant. But since you're on here, I want to hear your predictions as well. We're going to start off with the best game in college football: Army versus Navy. Bonehead, 63% going Navy. I'm going Navy. Grant is riding with Army. Uh, Matt, who do you have? Well, I was going to say Navy before I heard Grant. And since Grant's not here, I can just make fun of him. You know, and if his record is what it is, I'll just pick against him that whole bit. Uh, but I would also take Navy. Navy for the win here. I want to desperately go to an Army-Navy game like I know. really bad. And you, it, like, it, it seems possible because Case, well, 
you know, I mean, if K-State's not in the conference championship game, which they're not that often, you know, it seems possible. Well, here's the thing. This game is actually the week after. I just included it. because uh, that's right. I didn't think it was the same time. But that's, I was going to say, oh, you could go. Okay, State's not playing. But I thought, well, no, I'm dumb. We're talking about the, the championships. We're picking it. So I tricked myself there a little bit. Yeah, no, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure we included it because the next time we do picks, it'll be for the bowl preview episode. And we'll do exclusively bowl games. But I wanted to get that one in there. Um so here it is. This is the one all Big 12 fans will be watching uh, in Arlington, OU versus Baylor. Bonehead's 80% OU. I have OU. Grant has OU. Will you make it a four-person sweep, or are you going to pick the upset? No, definitely Oklahoma. I'm scared of how Oklahoma's played the last you know few weeks, at least against you know Iowa State and TCU, but uh, Oklahoma just destroyed Baylor in that second half in Waco. I think, I think they're just better than Baylor, so yeah, Oklahoma. All right, here's the next one, and I, this is the one I talked to you before we even started recording. In a shocker in the Pac-12 championship game in Santa Clara, all three folks, Boneheads by 59%, me by unanimous, and Grant by email, all going with Oregon. Are you going to also pick the touchdown underdog, or are you going to be smart and probably pick Utah? Well, I'm not going to just be different, but I will pick Utah. Um, I've we randomly have followed them a lot this year because I don't know if I told you or not, this or not, but when we were watching Will Swanson play a game in Nebraska, we drove back. We caught Utah's first game of the year on the radio, and they have a British sideline announcer, and we thought it was the greatest thing ever, and so we paid attention to Utah throughout the year. I think they only lost you know, to USC when Zach Moss was beat up. I think they're legit. I think Oregon's a little not legit, and I think Utah is going to make us all mad in the Big 12 and make this thing even more difficult, and they're going to beat Oregon and maybe be in the playoffs. Okay, so before we move on, if you were on the committee, Oklahoma and Utah both win uh, and everything else is chalk, who are you putting into the playoff? I I would put Oklahoma in. Um, I think their losses are very similar, you know, K-State and USC, both on the road. Um, But, I mean, two wins over Baylor, win over Texas – you know, tried to play a good non-conference, um, you know, with those names that were looked good, Houston, UCLA. I would, and I'm biased. I think I think Oklahoma's better, um, but I think it will be Utah in that scenario. All right. I'll be interested. I hope it's not Utah. I think it would be a fraud if it's Utah, but I'm also biased. Um, SEC championship down in Atlanta, Georgia versus LSU, the Boneheads, 86% LSU. Grant is going with LSU. This is my upset of the week. Yeah. Just just to cause even more havoc, I have Georgia pulling off the upset. And I'm going to say it's by 10 points, and it's not actually that. It won't even feel that close. I, maybe we're, we're dumb or we're smart together, and I like LSU. I love Joe Burrow. Like I like Anna Orgeron. I really like LSU. I really hope that – I hope they win the national championship. I do. I think Georgia's going to beat them. I, I, LSU's defense scares me. I think Georgia's super talented. I think you know, they had the one fluke loss to South Carolina. Um, I'm with you. I think Georgia wins this game um, to the point that I'd almost be surprised if they don't a little bit. So I, I'm with you, and we're either both dumb together or smart together. And I'm going to say this. If you feel that confident, you should go to mybookie.ag, yes. promo code CHAIR for your 100% deposit up to $1,000 
Uh, later on in December, they're going to have 12 days of giveaways. They were running amazing odds and prop bets and juiced plays during Black Friday. So when my bookie does gambling perks, they do it big. Again, deposit bonus up to $1,000. Uh, I got back into the game over Thanksgiving, and I had a really good run of luck. So I have a little bit of funny money to be playing with, and I'll have money on Georgia for the win outright. Yes. All right, here's the other one. Uh, This honestly might be a massive laugher. Uh, The ACC championship game, the ACC should not hold the distinction of a Power 5 conference. Virginia versus Clemson. Bonehead's 95% Clemson. I have Clemson. Grant has Clemson. Assuming you aren't point, point, uh, no. picking the upset, here's my question to you. What's K-State's record this year if they have Clemson's schedule? Oh, I mean, I got to pull it up and look at it. I mean, you know, but but I mean, I know, I mean, I know I've looked at it before and thought, like, is their best win like A&M or something like that? Yes, I mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, I would need to go week by week and play out the whole scenario of, oh, what, you know, momentum, blah, blah, blah. But it's hard to guess that K-State's not 10-2. You know, I mean, with that, with that, with that schedule, or at least if they play the way they played every week and translate it to Clemson's schedule, probably ten wins, don't you think? I, I think undefeated, and I mean, I'm not could, kidding. It could be. I mean, it, I'm not kidding. It could be. Yeah. All right. Well, sadly, we'll never know that because we're in a real conference. Um, yeah, Big Ten champions. And, and boneheads are smart. I'm sorry to pick on the the five percent, but boy, five percent people pick Virginia. You know, to win that game. We've never had a unanimous. The closest we've come was 99%, I think, K-State versus Bowling Green. Huh. Um, so it, it, 95 is pretty good for the Boneheads because there's a bunch of stinkers amongst the Boneheads. Um, <laughs> big Big Ten Championship, my number one team in the land, Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Boneheads, 88%. Ohio State, I have Ohio State. Grant has Ohio State. Are you a Buckeye in honor of Derek as well? Uh, yeah, no doubt, Derek. I, I got an experience watching Derek Young watch some of the Michigan-Ohio State game uh, last week. While I'll sneak this in, I was listening to the Canton Galva High School State Championship game. Um, Shout was, out to the yeah, Eagles. Thank you. Uh, uh, I was, but anyway, I was watching Derek, and he was a fan. I mean, the most, you know, the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, generic. Um, over He's the top, so emotional, standing up, watching the TV, like, you know, worried as can be when Michigan scores early, then like just so proud. I mean, and Derek's so calm and that kind of stuff, but he was just a fan and it was awesome to see. And Ohio State will just beat the dog tar out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Thank you, Wisconsin, for beating Minnesota, though. Yeah, that's, I, good. that's good. I was a PJ Fleck guy, like, while he's at Central Michigan for a couple of years. And then his shtick never stopped, and it kind of got old. So. Yep. Uh, here's the American Athletic Conference, a 100% top-to-bottom better conference than the ACC, and a, a rematch better, and a from – name. Yes, 100%. This is a rematch of the exact game that happened last week, Cincinnati at Memphis. Bonehead's going with Memphis. I have Memphis. Grant has Memphis. Uh, I, it's one of those awkward things that you've probably never seen before – the exact same game, six days apart. I assume you're not going to pick Cincinnati to pull the upset uh, after well, losing, I think, by 20 last week. No, I think Memphis is legit really good. I think Mike Norvell is legit really good. Um, uh, and, you know, Luke Fickle, that's another D. Young special, but I can't do it. Yeah, Memphis is going to get that one. 
Where is Mike Norvell coaching next year? Well, I mean, I think Missouri would be great for him. You know, I mean, so that's what I'll that's what I'll say. I mean, that's just random. I don't know. I don't have any inside track, but I, I he was the guy. Like when K State coaching searches, I know I talk about Seth Luttrell all the time. You know, we talk about Chris Kleiman a bunch, and there's a hundred other names. I really liked Mike Norvell, and you know, obviously it didn't happen and that kind of stuff. And I think K State did great, but I think he's really good. Um, and I, I, how about Missouri for Mike Norvell? And it'd be good for them. You know, I know Missouri is, is what it is, but I really like the guy who runs their, their site. Gabe Yarman is very nice. So I, I hope, I hope they get him. All right. Uh, Sunbelt, Louisiana at Appalachian State, clean sweep. Uh, Appalachian State, 89% by the Boneheads. Are you going with Appalachian State? Yeah. I mean, they said they've been ranked mostly all of the year and they beat Michigan back in like 04 when they were one double A team. So, uh, Appalachian State for sure. I like it. Mac being played in Detroit to the Boneheads. 62% have Central Michigan, but Grant and I both going with Miami of Ohio. Who do you have? This is the toughest one yet because I don't know anything about either team, and I'm just picking one at random. I'm going to go with the 62%, which is the Boneheads, and not you guys. And they picked um, Central Michigan. Is that right? Yep. So that's so there you go. So that's what I'm going with. Central Michigan, uh, the Chippewas, they got pretty good colors. Miami, Ohio is always feel like, a, I don't know, like they're ripping off all social schools to me. Like, you know, the Miami, they rip off Miami of Florida, even though if they were there first, I don't know. The You know, the, like the big red M, that seems not creative. Like I think Miami of Ohio is just a bunch of other schools put together into one, so I don't like them. I like it. Also, you need to get on the Maction train on Tuesdays and Wednesdays I in know. November. I'm going I'm, – I'll tell you what, next year I'm going to do it and I'll be like obsessive about it. Good. I can't wait for it. Um. Conference USA Championship, the born again UAB Dragons mm-hmm. question mark uh, at FAU Lane Kiffin sounds like Lane Kiffin is showing his baboon ass to any program that will interview him. The Boneheads going with FAU, I am too. I don't what? honestly. Yeah, I know. Like in hindsight, I. I, I don't like it, but I sent these to Grant because he's been going second all year, and I've been allowing him to try to catch up. Uh, but he also has FAU, um, so no, I know I don't. I don't like it. I, I'm I'm not going to change it because I put it in writing. Um, but I I think UAB pulls off the upset down in the Owls Nest. What do you say? Back when I still used to play NCAA 14 a lot, you know, which was like two or three years ago, I'd always be UAB because they didn't have a program, so. They're like made rosters were just terrible. Like, you know, everyone's like a 50 overall and you had to really rebuild them. It was fun. So I like the UAB. I remember their fight songs in that game. They played in a cool stadium in that game. Their uniforms are okay. Uh, yeah, UAB is going to get that win. And I didn't know you guys liked Lane Kiffin so much. I didn't, I didn't know this about the Boscos. I actually kind of like him, but he's, I mean, he's when, actually fine with me too. Yeah. And he's funny on Twitter, but when jobs are open, he, uh, yeah, like I said, he shows his baboon ass to anyone who will take him. Final, uh, you know, uh, and or one or one A or FBS. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, conference championship Ooh. game, Mountain West. We love picking the Hawaii game. Hawaii at Boise, Boneheads, Boise. I have Boise. Grant has not picked against Hawaii all year. He wasn't going to start now. He has Hawaii. Who do you have? I mean, Boise's eleven and one, right? You know, you got birds flying into that field, still dying probably on the blue turf, and that's sad. Um, but they're going to win this football game and get a 12th win. And I see Brian Harson's name, you know, all over the place. Maybe he's another one who can have somewhere else, but yeah, Boise for sure. All right. And then to round it out, cause we're doing 15 a week. We got some FCS playoff games, uh, Northern Iowa. What? 
I said football is football. Football is football. We have Coach Kleiman's alma mater, Northern Iowa at South Dakota State. The Coyotes, Bonehead, 63% with South Dakota State. I have South Dakota State. Grant has them. Are you going to rep for Coach Kleiman? Uh, I am because we also – there's a really nice coach for South Dakota who we meet a lot at all these camps who always is very helpful for us. And I don't think they like South Dakota State. So I will pull for both Chris Kleiman and this nice guy for South Dakota and pick against South Dakota State, which means – I have to take who are they playing again? Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa, exactly who I wanted. They beat K State in uh, Snyder's first year in '89. Northern Iowa. Yeah, and Coach Kleiman played in that game. I know defensive back out there. Yeah, I think he got an interception. I think he had. I think he had that and I think 19 tackles. He's such a stud. Right? Can you um, we should have known then. We should have. Uh, Albany at Montana State. Boneheads, Montana State. Grant is going with Albany. I'm going with Montana State, and I want to give a shout-out to Bethany Cordell. I have no idea. I, she probably does, won't listen to this, but she worked at K-State Athletics back when I was in school. Uh, I think she went to Cal Berkeley, but then she went back to her alma mater at Montana State. So I will be pulling for them all throughout the FCS playoffs because uh, she is a great gal and really, really good at what she does. She was the first person to introduce Bacon Night at the women's basketball game. There you go. And she, and she was called Keith Oberman's worst person in sports for that day. Fun fact. Wow. Um, so I'm definitely going with Montana State. Aren't they like the Grizz? Montana yes, State? Like, Grizz. Yeah. I mean, that's like the cradle of FBS Ooh, football, right? No, no, they're the, no. They're, I think they're the Bobcats. I think Montana, their rival. Oh, the see, we just did the KC. Can you sing the end of them? Yes, and I'm bad. I, well, let's I'd say you up for it. But we're picking them. I'm picking them, too, because that's like the cradle of FBS football. You know, the North Dakotas, the South Dakotas, the Montana schools, you know, Albany. I mean, they don't play. I mean, that's not. Are they New York's FBS football team or FCS football team? Whatever. East Coast Matt should know that. Oh, I would. You're right. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking not, I'm doing Montana State, Montana State. All right. Illinois State at Central Arkansas on. I they might have purple turf. I think Ooh, that's why right. I they them. do. Yeah. So the Boneheads have Central Arkansas. I have Central Arkansas for that. But Grant has Illinois State because he likes bird logos with teeth. I mean, you know, Illinois State almost beat Ron Prince in his first game. Then Laurent Robinson on that team, and they had a two-point conversion. They went four, and if they'd have got it, they'd have won. Central Arkansas got drilled by K-State two years ago, so clearly Illinois State's better. Uh, I will also take the bird logo in Illinois State. All right, and then the final one, uh, Nichols, who we hosted in Probably. the very first game, going to the Chris Kleiman-less North Dakota State Bison um, I, I ran into some Bison fan at the KUK State game because they came down for the Chiefs-Minnesota game the very next day. Yeah, uh, Very nice people. I don't dislike them nearly as much as I did when they came to Kansas the last time. They were bigger uh, jerks of, then. They were. But, you know, we got Coach Kleiman, uh, Coach Messingham, uh, uh, Riley, Gene Taylor. So, you know, I'm, I'm riding with North Dakota State now. The Boneheads have them 91%. Grant has them as well. Are you going to pick the Colonels and shock the world? No. I mean, North Dakota, North Dakota State's not losing this in the Fargo Dome. I mean, we saw what Chase Forcade in that Nichols quarterback, you know. Um, but no, North Dakota State's too good. That climbing residue still all over them in a good way. And they're going to get this win. All right. I love it. Um, that's all we have. 
Uh, but as always, we uh, let let the guests have the final word. Tell everyone what they can expect at K-State Online out. But you're back. Oh. <laughs> okay. Check. Yep. Um, yep. Ended, though, let's see, what is today? Well, ended on Tuesday of this week. I did get told, I don't know the details of it, that we'll have something around Christmas. It'll be more heavily, well, it'll be tied to Nike. I don't know if they'll say that or not, but I already did. Um, and that's good for K-State people, so we'll see what that is. I don't know the details of it, but I would keep an eye out for it. Um, if you are subscribed, it's just a fun time now to talk about recruiting and get ready for the bowl game. Derek's written notebooks and back-to-back days. And as we're sitting here, we're doing Skype on my computer, and I, I leave the screen open. And I just have like te- like little group you know notifications popping up from Derek one after the other about like recruiting stuff and it's all interesting so um, he'll he'll have a lot of cool stuff there basketball's fun to cover um, it's just a good time of year for us on here uh, it slows down without the games and it lets the football games and we get able to back up and look at stuff big picture a little bit I'm starting breaking down all the PFF numbers kind of for the year for players to put them in some form of reference because during the season we see a score of a 67 somebody's like what does that mean but if I can put that you know, against all the players in his positions in the conference that might help out. So that's a lot of rambling, but the point is there'll be a lot of stuff even without regular season football games. And I just like, appreciate letting me talk about it and coming on here. And I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be good. Yep. And I can't wait to see everything you have with early signing day right around the yep. corner as well. Um, and then here I'll, I'll do a little teaser. Folks need to subscribe because they need to find out what committed recruit is letting K-State come in for an in-home mm. visit. And, it might not be who you would think. So go over, go over and read uh, Derek Young's recruiting notebook to figure out who that is um, and enjoy. That's all we have. Um, hopefully we get a big win in Bramlage on Saturday wearing the sexy, sexy script Wildcats throwback uniforms. Uh, we love you guys. I think Matt loves you guys. Grant is waiting for someone to meet him at the Cat Head. And uh, Matt, what would you what would you want to tell folks as we sign off? Just do meet Grant at the Cathead because he's alone. He's not here with us, and don't let him be alone there. I was going to let you to tell everyone to tell their friends. That's, what I, was going to, that's what I was going to do, but that have been self serving. I felt like so I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to look out for Grant. Well, also tell your friends, and that's your all friends. we got, folks. <laughs> this holiday, you'll be far away, and I'll be all alone. So please remember this December to fully charge your phone and text me Merry Christmas, let me know you care, just a word or two of text from you will remind me you're still there, you don't have to add much to it, one smiley face will do, baby Far from me, say you'll be our be. That's a text I'll never delete. Choose just the right emoji, one that makes me LOL. And if you text me something naughty, I promise I won't tell. I don't care if you spell things right, I just want to hear from you tonight. Stroke those keys with your delicate touch and type those little words that mean. Hi. Hey. How are you? Okay. Miss you. Miss you too. 
Xmas sucks without you. I know. LOL. Love you. Love you. Okay, thanks. Bye. A Facebook message isn't quite as sweet. I need more from you than just a tweet. A snap phone, Snapchat doesn't last. And voicemail, that's from Christmas past. Text me Merry Christmas. Send a selfie too. If you do, I'll go beneath the mistletoe. And pretend my screen is new. Show me that you love me. Text text phone and kiss and hug me. I'll be right here waiting for my pants to start vibrating. Baby, text me Merry Christmas. And I Podcast Network.